This is episode number 427 with VP of Data Science at Gojek, Shafri Bahar. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Welcome back to the Super Data Sense podcast, everybody. Super excited to have you back here on the show. This episode is incredibly fun and cool. So today we, we had the VP of Data Science uh, from Gojek uh, join us on the episode. So if you're from uh, Southeast Asia, you have probably heard of Gojek and actually very likely uh, used it. But in case you um, are not from Southeast Asia, you haven't heard about Gojek. Uh, this is uh, a huge company. It is valued at $10 billion as of today. It's had extreme rapid growth and it is a super app. It is one app inside which you can get 20 different services from ride sharing to shopping to food delivery to insurance to cleaning to even hairstyling. How cool is that? The app serves uh, millions of people across Indonesia, Vietnam, uh, Singapore, uh, and Thailand. Uh, and uh, they're growing extremely fast. They've been growing extremely fast. They continue to grow extremely fast. And today we had the pleasure of speaking uh, with the VP of data science from there, Shafri Bahar. Um, and uh, before I continue on to what uh, this episode is all about, um, and what we talked about, I wanted to say why I keep saying we, <laughs> we spoke with Shafri, because today we have a second host, John Crone, uh, join me as a co-host on this episode. You may remember John from episode 365 uh, in uh, May this year. And uh, uh, the reason why John is joining, there's some something super exciting coming up in 2021. Um, as an exciting change, John is actually going to be, I'll give you a heads up now without going into too much detail. Uh, we'll talk about it. I'll announce it more uh, in the coming episodes. But uh, John will be taking over as host of this show. I know that might come as a surprise. It's the first time I'm mentioning this publicly. Uh, but uh, it's going to be super fun. It's going to be an amazing time. And uh, we won't uh, talk about this too much right now to, and not detract from the episode. We'll get into that uh, in a future episode. But in this episode, we decided to co-host and uh, talk with Shafri together and it turned out really fun we had a lot of laughs and i'm sure you will join us with them with those laughs and so what did we speak about today with shafri well we talked about gojek and the impact it's having uh we talked about decision science versus data science they actually have three divisions at gojek uh, gojek decision science data science and business intelligence and we specifically discussed the difference between decision science and data science we talked about carter Burt and uh, turing so some more technical things and some use cases around there, some very interesting use cases. Um, we talked about what it's like to be a, a VP or vice president of data science and what that role entails uh, at a rapidly growing um, company like Gojek. We talked what uh, it takes for 
data science team to be a high-performance data science team. Uh, we talk about mathematics and data science quite extensively. Both John and Shafrir are experts on mathematics and data science. It was very interesting to uh, have that conversation. And uh, finally, we talked about what it takes to thrive as a data scientist in a company like Gojek. So lots of very cool insights coming up. Can't wait for you to check out this episode. Without further ado, I bring to you Shafri Bahar, VP of Data Science at Gojek. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast, everybody. Super excited to have you back here on the show. Today, we've got a very exciting episode. We've got two hosts and one guest. So our guest for today is Shafri Bahar, uh, calling in from Indonesia, from Bali. And we've also got John Kron as uh, our co-host, calling in from New York. Hi, guys. How are you going? Hi, Kirill. Doing good, thanks. Hey, very well, Kirill. Yeah, delighted to be here. Awesome. What's the time for you, Shafri? Uh, now it's uh, 9 o'clock, actually, so I'm calling from Bali. 9 a.m., <laughs> like, uh, right? 9 a.m., yes. Awesome, awesome. And John, you? Yeah, 8, 8 p.m. Getting yeah. there. Crazy, across all the time zones, right? And it's. Uh, and how about you, Kirill? For me, it's uh, 6, uh, 6.30 a.m., about 6 a.m. Oh, man. Oh, wow, yeah. that's very early. Yeah, yeah. that's okay. It's Do you okay. always get up that early? Uh, I do. My girlfriend doesn't. <laughs> she was, <laughs> she was um, so like uh, dazed. They had to go to another room to go and uh, sleep there because this is the only room where I can record. Uh, took her blanket, you know, and pillow, and just uh, went mm -hmm. went away. Our apologies. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'm glad we're all here. Um, so uh, we've, I think met john our listeners have met john before uh, from other podcasts but just quickly john if you could give us a quick intro about your background sure i'm the chief data scientist at a machine learning startup in new york that's kind of my day job but on the side i do lots of data science uh kind of education so i have um, a book deep learning illustrated that was a number one bestseller um, not being translated into Indonesian yet, but we do have a lot of <laughs> translations around the world. Um, and I've also been doing some work with Super Data Science. So we've got a machine learning foundations course that just launched in the Udemy platform together. And Kirill and I met through, uh, through the Super Data Science podcast. Uh, so I was a guest on the podcast uh, early in 2019. And I asked Kirill if he would like to be a guest on my podcast, which I had just launched. At that point, I'd only had two episodes. And uh, yeah, we hit it off. We had a really great conversation. And if you don't mind me breaking it to your audience right now, Kirill. Yeah, yeah uh, sure. We then, um, uh, a couple of months ago, Kirill approached me to begin hosting the Super Data Science podcast. So uh, I'm absolutely blown away i couldn't believe that he asked me to do that and yeah so now we're getting me warmed up by co-hosting today and awesome. i couldn't be more excited me too super pumped super pumped uh, it's gonna be an exciting time i think i feel you're the right person to uh carry the sds podcast forward thanks for being here today john yeah an honor awesome all right. Um, oh, and by the way, congrats on the machine learning fun fundamentals or foundations, like 90,000 students, right? Last I checked. Wow. 
Yeah, I think it's eighty thousand, but it's uh, that's about the same <laughs> in terms of the impact. Um, and yeah, eighty thousand students. It's only been live for five or six weeks, so I am, and that's the kind of thing that I couldn't have possibly ever dreamed of that kind of thing. It's by association with you guys with the Super Data Science Podcast, and uh, so thank you very much for that. Um, and we're only just getting started, so there's three and a half hours live for the course right now. Um, uh, and I expect when the podcast is is released, it'll still be about that three and a half hour mark. But by the end of 2020, it'll be about six hours. We'll have finished the first uh, quarter or so of all the content. Oh, um, wow. In 2021, there'll be uh, 25 hours of content in there um, covering linear algebra, calculus, probability, statistics, computer science, everything you need to know to be a great machine learning practitioner uh, or data scientist. Fantastic, that's really cool. And that's a very good uh, segue to Shafri because Shafri, you love mathematics, right? Your whole oh, wow. yeah. story is mathematics. Sure, right? yeah, so, exactly so. Yeah, yeah, exactly please, so. Please tell um, us a bit it, about that. Yeah, so I've actually been into mathematics since I was a child actually. So my father is actually a math teacher. So um, yeah, there when I was go. a child, yeah, <laughs> so I remember a day where I was sitting on like elementary school and I started asking about this uh, sequence problem, right? Like I just made a sequence problem, but let's say the, 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 the three differentiable layer of uh, arithmetic sequence to my um, teacher. And then um, I actually asked the, the problems to my father, but uh, he just tossed me a book. But later I found out that it's actually in a university book. <laughs> Instead mm. that I'm kind of being crunching in order to kind of find the solutions of the problem. And since then, I've actually grown my interest to math. Um, uh, in fact, I'm also lucky enough to uh, represent Indonesia, actually, to a couple of uh, math Olympiads uh, competitions. So wow. that's a very nice experience. Yes, <clears throat> That's huge because Indonesia is the fourth most populous country on the planet. So uh, <laughs> you're representing a big population there. That's yeah, huge, it's, yeah. It's, quite a, it's quite a surreal also for me back then because I was kind of like from the... Um, how do you call it? Like uh, the underdog uh, regions of Indonesia, so to say. Uh, mm -hmm. Like a lot of the representatives of Indonesia also come from uh, Jakarta, Jaffa, right? And I'll probably I have I was probably the first um, representative from that region, from that province, actually. After let's say eight to ten years, so it was quite a euphoria for me as well. Sorry, uh, what Sulawesi province? Uh, Sulawesi. Sulawesi. Uh, you yeah. Oh, I, I know there's a few, a few, there was a few active volcanoes. I was doing a, a data yeah. science, uh, like uh, an analysis of the active volcanoes of uh, the past, I don't know, centuries. And there's quite a few in Sulawesi, I think four or five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hundreds of years. yeah it's, it's a, it's, it looks like a letter K actually on the map. Mm. So it's easy, recognizable. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, since then I've, I've grown my interest and I've also, I'm actually still actively uh, like reading, learning about math book. I think I consider it as a hobby actually because I find it just so beautiful um, as a as a discipline. So 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 yeah, you're you're right about it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of math. That's awesome. And and uh, when you don't do math, uh, what what is it that you do? Because it, it sounds like you <laughs> you're so into mathematics. Sounds like your full time job, but you have a, a different yeah. full time job. Tell us a bit about that. Oh yes, um, yes. Actually, like my 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 day job, I uh, I am a VP of data science for Gojek. Uh, so Gojek is actually an on-demand uh, super app platform. Uh, so we have around 20, 20 products. I think 
we uh, we basically like from right hailings we have a lot of food delivery we have entertainment kind of like a Netflix streaming services um we also have uh, uh, like insurance for example it's a, it's a super app so um it's an um basically uh, we used to actually have even a service where you can actually order a, a masseuse coming to your house within 15 minutes actually like wow. like uh, with a click of a uh, like a, a thumb uh but uh, unfortunately we sunset the, the the service itself but uh yeah it is it is quite a it's quite a hyper growth startup so we become the first unicorn of indonesia and then uh, two three years after we became the first uh, decacorn of indonesia uh which is uh, surreal in terms of growth um, what's a decacorn so a decacorn is like with a with a 10 um um a billion valuation basically 10 billion valuation oh my yes, gosh yes. in 10 in 10 yes, years yes. right you said Well, eight, well, I ate here actually like uh, to be precise. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Wow. Very cool. Are you subscribed to the Data Science Insider? Personally, I love the Data Science Insider. It is something that we created, so I'm biased, but I do get a lot of value out of it. Uh Data Science Insider, if you don't know, is a free, absolutely free newsletter which we send out into your inbox every Friday. Very easy to subscribe to. go to superdatascience.com/dsi. And what do we put uh, together there? Well, our team goes through the most important updates of the past week or maybe several weeks and finds the news related to data science and artificial intelligence. You can get swamped with all the news even if you filter it down to just AI and data science, and that's why our team does this work for you. Our team goes through all this news and finds the top 5 simply five articles that you will find interesting for your personal and professional growth. Uh they are then summarized, put into one email and at a click of a button you can access them, look through the summaries. You don't even have to go and read the whole article. You can just read the summary and be up to speed with what's going on in the world and if you're interested in what exactly is happening in detail, then you can click the link and read the original article itself. I do that almost every week myself. I go through the articles and sometimes I find something interesting, I dig into it. So if you'd like to get the updates of the week in your inbox, subscribe to the Data Science Insider absolutely free at superdatascience.com/dsi. That's superdatascience.com/dsi and now let's get back to this amazing episode. And you're you're financed by some of the biggest possible financiers around Sequoia Capital, Tencent, Google, Facebook. And so it's interesting that you would think that a lot of those companies would actually be competing companies. And so it's interesting, I guess they see a lot of potential in Indonesia. Uh, something that really interests me and may interest a lot of our listeners is what is a super app? So in the West, we don't I don't think we have anything like that. you know every it seems almost like in the west they deliberately fragment apps so facebook fragmented into messenger um and so many as many different pieces as possible so when you have a super app so when you look on your phone it's just one app that you click on and then when you're inside you navigate to all these you're like you get your massage and your insurance uh, once you're inside exactly <laughs> no exactly john yeah it is it is very interesting in this because to think about it they're not really like a comparable I would say like a platform out there, but it's just the idea is like uh, like the we built like the whole ecosystem within within one app, right? And I think as soon as we better actually manage to create this network, and then you actually start to reap the the benefits of having because anything that you put in that ecosystem scale very fast, um, actually, right? So we became um, like the uh, for example uh, like for the food delivery, 
like the biggest in Asia, excluding excluding China. Um, and then, for example, when we uh, uh, so we use like the logistics, for example, it also became the biggest in in Indonesia, just from uh, leveraging of this network effect actually that we have within the app. But you're right, even. Uh, and then the, if you think about it, uh, the, the opportunities to implement data science, machine learning is just immense in terms of personalization, right? It's just amazing. For example, being able to know the histories of um, like uh, food orders or, or, or massage appointments, right? Allows us to kind of like recommend what is the best kind of uh, like um, services that you might, you might, you might think of using uh, actually like yeah. so there's so many um, and uh, there's so many kind of like the network um, uh, information within the network itself, which can actually be leveraged to build a very powerful personalization. So uh, it's quite an exciting environment. It's like having 20 companies within one umbrella, pretty much. Yeah, the data science perspective of it sounds absolutely amazing. And I guess we'll spend most of today's program talking about that. So it's great. I, I love this idea of how you can be like, Oh, uh, yeah. If you like a deep tissue massage, then you'll probably be interested in our athlete insurance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's also that's also it's like it's like recommender systems on like a Netflix or Amazon, but on steroids. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> like you get the network effect of the recommender systems. It's like exponential on exponential. No wonder. Exactly. Exactly. Grows so fast. <laughs> that's so cool. So you as I as I understand, you are operating in Thailand, Vietnam, Singapore and Indonesia. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. And uh, and uh, how many people? Just so like people. So for those of, of course, for those people who are from those countries, will know you well. But for those from the West who maybe haven't heard of Gojek, how many users do you have on your platform? How many uh, uh, people do you work with on your platform? Sure, sure. Um, so maybe just to give the ideas of the scale, right? So the app has itself has been downloaded by uh, like uh, one hundred seventy million times actually, um, and I think one every four Indonesian has the app installed, um, uh, uh, yeah, actually by them. And then um, we have- I have the app installed too. <laughs> I really- well, I've had at so least. I, yeah, yeah. When I was in Bali, I, I asked for a ride. You get on the scooter behind this drive, rider, yeah. driver and you hold on for your life. It's, it's a really <laughs> cool experience. Yeah. And, and just to give you the scale, because that's very interesting, right? Because we have um, around uh, like, Total of drivers and then also service providers, we have around two, two and a half million. Uh, so that's like almost 1% of the population of Indonesia. So it's quite wow. crazy. So a lot of, so basically that's saying that a lot of people's lives actually depend um, uh, on us, right? So it's also quite a, a privilege, I feel, because we need to do our job really well in order to be able to survive and really provide these people with the uh, kind of like the day to day uh, livings as well. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, maybe a couple of other things. I think, uh, as well as in terms of the economy, also we've uh, contributed immensely to Indonesia. So I think if we kind of like a total everything, so all the incomes coming from the platform itself, it actually contributes to 1% of Indonesia's uh, GDP. So it's pretty, pretty big. Amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. 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 And actually, we also hit our 2 billion orders milestones uh, last year, if I'm not mistaken. So it's actually quite a, quite a milestone also for us. Congrats. That's really cool. I'm sure data science played a huge role in that. <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah. yeah. So I, I had a question along a similar vein. Um, I've been queued up for it perfectly, which is, so how big is the kind of the core 
company at Gojek. So for example, how many dis data science people are there? Yeah, so data science, uh, there are around 60, 60 to 80 people, I think now. Uh, in total, within data science, we have around uh, 150, 180 people in total. Uh, so, uh, so, so now we actually have three different, um, I would call it like analytic professionals within the company. We have data scientists, we have um, uh, uh, BI, uh, business mm -hmm. intelligence, so we also have decision scientists. Recently, we, we introduced this basically to kind of like help us making the right decisions for the like a million dollar decisions that we need to take. We need a really specialized knowledge uh, to kind of like, um, how do you call it? To clear out all the ambiguities in terms of asking questions and being able to systematically and taking, uh, 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 taking decisions in a very, in more rigorous way, basically. So yeah, that's, that's about the size of the, of the data team. Nice. The decision sciences team sounds like the holy grail in business. That's like what everybody wants to be doing. And maybe because you guys do it, that's why you're having this incredible hyper growth and you've become a decacorn. It could be a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. We've actually just recently started, right? So uh, we'll see, but I think uh, we're probably one of the first that introduced the, the job ladder, job family in Indonesia. So I am really looking forward to like what kind of impact actually it can. But if you look at already use cases, there's uh, quite a lot of use cases already where we need to take, um, for example, decisions about expansion, decisions about releasing certain features, um, decisions about, um, uh, for example, uh, distributing vouchers, right? I think those are the, the, the typical questions that um, these um, uh, job, uh, I would say, architects will focus in answering. Yeah. Mm. What's the difference in skill sets for a decision scientist versus a data scientist? Yeah. So uh, our definitions, because again, like within the market, especially in Indonesia, there are like different, every company has their own ways to define data science. Um, uh, but I think our, our definition of a data science versus decision science, like if you look at the core skill set, um, data scientists within our companies are very uh, strong and in, in, in software engineering as well. So they're trained to build scalable machine learning system. So more, a little bit more like applied machine learning engineers, actually, very, very close to that. While uh, decision scientists, uh, they need to be very strong with the statistical analysis, um, mm. like causal inference, for example, being able to do hypothesis testing, they need to be good with experimentation. Um, uh, yeah, so the, 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 the focus are a little bit different. Um, uh, so or the data scientists, they really build data products, scalable data products, and our, our decision scientists really help with decision making actually by, by running some certain uh, analysis, uh, statistical analysis that can help us making better decisions. Wow, wow, that's very cool. It's, it's like, I guess in, in smaller companies uh, the, or companies that uh, are not as advanced in terms of data science, that is all combined in the, like the analyst or the data scientist that those like hypothesis testing and so on. But as you scale, you need, I, I guess you made the call to separate those two and uh, really specialize people. All right, you are in hypothesis testing and you can run all these uh, experiments, whereas you're in machine learning and engineering of you know, features and things like that. So people can actually focus and get really good at what, what that, not one thing, but that's a group of things that are relevant to that profession. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. That's very cool. It seems like those data scientists I've been reading uh, about uh, Gojek's machine learning platform. There are a series of articles on Medium and so some very cool specialized tools like Cartobert. 
So using the kind of BERT system, the yes. transformers in natural language processing, uh, so leveraging particular deep learning techniques to allow you in the ride hailing product to be able to create names for pickup points, right? Correct, um, correct, correct, indeed. And then I read about Turing, which is used, so named after the uh, great British computer scientist, Alan Turing, and it's a tool for evaluating machine learning models, um, I guess before they go into production or maybe after they're also in production to make sure that they're still uh, performing as you'd expect. Yeah, sure. Oh, I'm actually very, very happy that you've um, uh, basically spent some time in visiting our like a medium block. And there are a lot of like a great articles um, over there, but you write about cart to birth. So I think the idea is like one of the things that we would like to. Uh, so, so this is a, this is also very interesting in terms of how we really bring data end to end. Uh, just to particularly, if, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll tell a little bit stories about Carpo Bird. Please. Right? So, yeah. So it used to be that um, we learned from the data that apparently people who uh, actually um, being picked up from like a very crowded locations, like a shopping mall center, etc. If we basically look at the percentage of um, people who call their drivers, it's actually 2x compared to the other place, right? So basically, well, we have concluded that uh, people are confused. Uh, around these areas, right? So what we what we did then is that we run some uh, clustering. We do visualizations basically, and we found out that among these um, uh, pickup points, apparently we can actually uh, find the center of those clusters where people actually being um, asked to being picked up. And then what we do is that we also have the chat history of uh, drivers and then of customers, right? So what we did is that we wow. uh, like uh, with a clustering system, we take the center point and we need to basically to attach a label into that. And that's where Carto Bird actually plays into a role because it allows us to um, crunch millions of chat logs and then summarize it into a pickup point, right? Um, and it's just very, especially given the size of Indonesia, it's just not possible to do it manually. So what we did is that we uh, run it for around, I think, 100,000 pickup points in Indonesia uh, for the shopping mall. And then it translates into product features that people love. And then we also see quite a significant reduce in the number of calls between drivers and customers, right? So just to give illustrations how we kind of like really use data to improve the delight experience of our users. Yeah. That's um, a cool one. And in addition to that, actually, yeah. Um, in addition to that, actually, a couple of months ago, we released also together with Hong Kong University of Technology, we worked together and we released probably the one of the fast, uh, the, the bigger, like a birth, well, one of the biggest, a birth model, pre-trained NLP model for Indonesian language, actually. So, uh, and we have open sourced it. So, um, if people here, if you are, uh, happen to interest, um, uh, find, uh, uh, if, sorry, if you happen to uh, be interested in, uh, Indonesian language, NLP for Indonesian language, you can actually go to www.indonlu.com. Uh, you actually can download the pre-trained model for Indonesian language. Yeah. Beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great to be sharing your expertise with the world. Um, yeah, really wonderful. Seems like you guys are doing great things on your team. And so this is, maybe Krill already knows this. I don't know how much you know about each other's backgrounds, but uh, in your role, um, are you, uh, so, you know, who reports into you? How big are the teams? What is what is being a VP of data science mean at Gojek? Yeah, I'm also very yeah, curious. So, That's a great question. <laughs> yeah, so thanks a lot, actually. So indeed, uh, especially like being in the hyper growth startup, 
I probably changed my role for three to four times already within two years mm-hmm. in terms of scope. So I originally hired to develop the data science capabilities within Jakarta originally, and then I became the head of functions for uh, data science, basically. Uh, at that time, our the, the team still, was still around 40, 50 people, I think, including the machine learning engineers, um, we call data science platform. Uh, and then recently, the, the portfolio has grown a little bit. So not only that, um, so I actually have a two other peers uh, within Gojek. So we both report to the chief data of uh, chief data officers of Gojek. Um, so together with my peers, we basically split the portfolio. So I currently oversee around uh, nine verticals. So starting entertainment, third-party platform, groceries, um, uh, marketing, for example. Uh, it's another one, logistics, right? So there, there are a couple of verticals, and we oversee both the analytic and science part of the of the portfolio, right? So when what I refer to as uh, analysts is the, the, the BI and like our analyst, a data analyst, and then the science, science part is decision scientist and a data scientist. Um, so <clears throat> so probably there are like around 50, 70 people, 50 to 60 people, I think eventually reporting to me currently. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so in terms of scope of work, uh, it basically encompasses almost all spectrum. So if I were to define the cluster a little bit, the activities, so it's starting from the people itself. Um, we're taking care of the technology, what to invest, which uh, AI technology that we need to, for example, invest uh, next year. Um, we also deal with uh, building organizations. How do we organize ourselves actually to prepare us to um, tackle the company strategic team, uh, uh, positions ourselves. So basically all of these aspects right, from hiring and everything, even the even the dirty one, like the financing, cleaning up the systems and stuff like that. So uh, it encompasses almost everything, basically. So um, I actually do see myself as a problem solver in a way that um, wherever um, uh, I try to fill the vacuum in terms of, hey, I don't think that there is, a, for example, clear career path for uh, some of uh, our people, right? So I'm, I'm going to immediately jump, like talking to HR and ensuring that, for example, that we've managed to create a good system that allows people to uh, basically uh, um, follow their aspirations. Uh, but sometimes I'm also involved in a very, like a very project uh, uh, specific activities. Like for example, really understanding our customers, creating a framework in order to be able to actively manage our customer portfolio, for example, by uh, properly modding CLC or customer lifetime, for example. I think those are different spectrum just to give some flavor of what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. I hope that answers your question, sir. Yeah, that was an amazing answer, and it sounds like a really interesting role. Hmm. Wow. Do you still do much technical work? Uh, yes, I, I, try, I try to do so, because I think, um, especially in this field, uh, things just very evolve very rapidly. So I try to so like uh, code, try to spend a couple of hours still coding, basically, and really uh, pushing um, codes as well to the to repository. Uh, mm-hmm. Being involved also in the technical discussion and the modeling, so I, I still try to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. otherwise I'll, I'll lose the touch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's that's very very good to hear. Um, yeah. I like what you said in one of your interviews about a high performing data science team that requires uh, three main components. Um, do you mind telling us a bit about that? I like as a VP of data science, you have a, a unique position that not only you need to deliver the work, but you also need to uh, evaluate the performance of your team and 
reports to higher up executives on, you know, we are delivering value. This is a very useful team to the company. You you have accountability and you have a responsibility to your team to do that. Otherwise, you know, there's stories of whole teams getting disbanded because executives didn't see value. So, uh, and I found your philosophy about what it, what is a high-performing data science team very structured. And I think not only um, managers listening to this podcast will find it valuable, but also individual contributor data scientists will find it valuable to understand, to evaluate for themselves if they're part of such a team and you know what they can do in order to become be part of such a team. If you could jump into that, that'd be great. Sure. Yeah, um, uh, thanks a lot for that. Indeed, I think um, what I found actually to be uh, very challenging is really to establish values, right? Because especially data science itself as a discipline is a very new thing. So it takes a lot of faith, I would say, from executives uh, to kind of like even invest in the in the team, right? Because uh, typically the invest the investment will probably take, especially for um, our largest machine learning systems that we have that really move the needle. It probably took a year in the making. Uh, it involves a lot of iterations, a trial is an error, right? So I think what what I also highlighted in my interview that um, basically what we need to show to the to the companies that we we need first of all I think we need to measure everything. Um, and that's also the reason why uh, we actually integrate in all of our machine learning system. We integrate also the kind of like a measurement system inside, just to ensure that uh, we are actually able to quantify the impact, uh, even on a team level. So I, I, I'm able to know, for example, what is the dollar impact that a, a team of three people basically deliver for a particular project, right? That's wow. how rigorous we are in terms of measuring impact. And, and really, like, I think the case that we try to make is that you really want to make that we're not a, uh, we want to make a case that we're not a cost center because there are a very tangible dollar save, uh, savings or ge- dollar generating actually that we do for the company. And we are able to achieve that by uh, really putting a very strong measurement in place. Even before we engage in any of the machine learning projects, actually, I think the first thing that we ask to our product engineers, uh, counterpart will be, do you have a um, measurement system in place? Do you have experimentation system in place? Actually, just to understand whether, um, Basically, the things that we will build uh, for them will actually lead to many impact, right? And and the fact about being in a hyper-growth startup, there's just so many. So there's like hundreds of things that we can actually do for next year. So we need to have a very ruthless prioritization. And I think having a proper way to measure the impact or potential impact is very essential in order to establish a case for um for, for, for the company, right? So I think one of the characterizations of high-performing um, team uh, will be that they deliver impact and how do they know whether they deliver an impact is that by really putting this uh, measurement in place um, and then by educating as well I think um, one what I uh, came to learn as well during my uh, experience within Gojek is that um, a lot of this end-to-end a lot of these projects have actually managed to deliver a big impact um, a lot of the challenges were uh, of course there are technical challenges as well but I think what not to um, be undermined as well is the challenge of the non-technical challenge of really ensuring that we have created um, a good structure for uh, our data scientists and product engineers and engineering actually to work different pace but they are able to kind of like integrate their solution this is just one right and the second thing is also about our constant education to stakeholders right to try to convince them why it is okay actually for their uh, millions of uh uh, dollars of their money actually being managed by a black box, right? I think that also requires a 
lot of convincing, um, I would say. Uh, for really like establishing a good operation model uh, is very essential, I think, for the high-performing team because by having a good uh, operational model, right? Just, just to give a little bit more flavor to that one, for example, we have recently um, like basically declared that all of our solutions need to be, like they need to be basically um, communicate with product engineering systems using API-based because that allows people basically to move in a different pace and then meet up again like a couple of weeks later to integrate their solutions. But as long as before the start of the project, um, uh, the teams are very clear in terms of what they will deliver. And we only can achieve that by having a proper API contract, right? It allows team really to um, reiterate, right? And, and and the things about data science, I think what, what I found to be very interesting is that their iterations, like their sprint cycles are very different with product engineering sprint actually. There's so many data dependencies, right? When we look at from data science perspective, so we can't really treat it as an engineering sprint. Um, mm-hmm. So they need to be able to have the flexibility to move at different pace. But then eventually their solutions that they build need to uh, match actually via PID. Um And what I also find to be very important is um, to ensure that the team is empowered um, to make decisions right? by having a proper experimentation system, having a robust methodology to decide whether team needs to go left or right. Uh, and empowerment them to make decentralized decision making. Actually, I think that I found to be very um, important to ensure that the team can be can move very very fast, right? So we need to trust them with decision making in decentralized manner. As long as the methodology and the system that they have actually created to make those decisions are robust, right? So um, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, and, and empower them to fail as well, right? That you said that in one of your other interviews. Yes. Right? decisions sometimes will be wrong and that's they, they should know it's okay. Exactly. And I'm, I'm actually very glad that we got an executive sponsor for this, I think, or, 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 or CEOs or co-CEOs recently are very supportive of that right? with the, with the cultures of it's okay of being, of actually fail. Like it's better to fail fast and learn from it rather than like moving very slow. Uh, because especially the competitions is very fierce. The market also moves very fast. So agility is definitely something that we um, uh, uh, value very high within mm-hmm. within our company. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for that answer. It sounds like you're you, like you guys are doing everything right. It's like, yeah, if I was in Indonesia and listening, I'd be like, man, how can I get involved with this company? Uh, <laughs> really amazing. You guys are, yeah, I mean, you're saying all of the things that I think are spot on from a, you know, from a quantitative data management perspective, um, how you are treating your data scientists and relating that into the broader operations of the organization and evaluating it. Brilliant. Mm, yeah, yeah. And actually very, I feel also very privileged actually to work with these amazing people. And I think I learned a lot from, from my team um, and, and, and the ability just to work with amazing people who are actually distributed. So our, our teams are actually well distributed. Even our, 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 our CBO is actually working from US. So we have, um, we have our 31 nationalities working for the company. So we really like chasing talents also like globally. Um, so we have, um, yeah, people across, um, different continents actually working for us. <laughs> so just, just That's as awesome. an additional information. There you go. And so, uh, how did you find yourself here? What was your journey? I mean, I know that you've worked across the world. You studied in the Netherlands and then you worked there for a while um, at banks. 
um, asset management company. And so what was your journey from that world? So from a different continent, I, I expected when I was talking to you that uh, that you would have been involved in a lot of the finance uh, applications at Gojek. I thought that that would be what you were working on, but it sounds like it's much broader than that. So how did you end up making that journey from financial companies, really traditional financial companies, big banks uh, in in the Netherlands to uh, a hyper growth decacorn in Indonesia? Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot, actually, for, for asking the questions. I, I think because especially the journey has been very intimate to me. Um, and, and I think the reason of that, because I've, I've always, I've always, I've always, I've always uh, doubt whether like, um, uh, like a pure mathematician like me is actually able to make an impact for the society, right? Um, I always see that as a very remote. So I remember there was a, some certain time in my life that I say like, hey, I'll, like, because I'm, I was actually, my background is actually in pure mathematics. So my, my thesis back then is about topological structure. Um, uh, basically, so uh, I, I haven't really seen data in my, so I worked a lot with like writing formulas, drafting formulas when I was uh, um, at my bachelor um, uh, education. So uh, it just, it just felt very remotely, right? And not until I came to the Netherlands and I, I actually switched a little bit to the applied mathematics. So I specialized in, um, so I was, I, I was actually taking education to be a quant. Um, and, and that there, I actually, I got myself into, um, a lot of like, a, a high performance computing, um, a little bit like, how, uh, stochastic, um, uh, courses and then be able to actually see data. <laughs> so it's quite, it's quite, a, it's quite a, uh, how do you say, it? it's quite a, it's quite, it's quite a journey actually to, to, um, to, how do you call it? To, to come from, to come from, um, Pure mathematics, uh, mathematics yeah. so exactly right. Um, you yeah, so might not even have, right? you might not even have had numbers for many years. No, <laughs> it was no, no, just no. variables, right? <laughs> it's just so variables, interesting. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, exactly. And and then when I uh, uh, came to bank and I started actually my my education, and I was uh, trained, I would say in a very classical environment, right? I remember one of my mentor back then. I was requested to do analysis with only five basic statistics mean, median, percentile, max, and mean, right? And I really need oh, to kind no. of like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, um, so I could like really rely a lot on my problem solving skills uh, to really like, and, and getting to know what these measurements are actually doing. Because actually, I, I was surprised that a lot of things can be done with this very basic statistics, actually. A lot of insight can be uncovered by just playing around with the weighted average, for example, um, and then being able to compare these different statistics and really make an educated guess in terms of what is the shape of the distribution, um, what are, is there an anomaly or not. So actually, with some basics, as long as one knows very well the ins and outs, actually, there are a lot of things can be done. So I was actually trained in that environment. Um, and uh, I was also lucky enough to work with different types of risk. Um, and, and, and actually, for the audience who's not very familiar with risk management, so they're actually like a different type of risk. And what's very unique, because for each of different types of risk, it actually um, deploys different type of mathematical tools. Uh, just an example for credit risk, right? Um, I, well, I use a lot of predictive models with counterparty credit risk. For example, my um, my last um, type of domain that I've uh, worked with before I moved to Indonesia, um, I actually uh, need to do uh, I needed to do a lot of uh, simulations uh, kind of thing to actually maintain Monte Carlo engine for the for the bank itself. So basically what we need to do, like we have a couple of hundreds of thousands of trades and we need to 
uh, do simulations of uh, thousands of risk factors. Um, and not only we need to simulate it for one day or two days later, but really like 30, 30 years ahead. So I, I, uh, I basically, uh, um, I use a lot of the, um, uh, like the parametric simulation technique in order to be able to do that, right? But basically what I wanted to say is that I really built the um, kind of like the required skill set in a very classical environment, really like bits by bits. Um, and then what I found to be very beautiful about mathematics, uh, is because it's very, uh, how do you call it? Uh, it's transferable to other uh, type of domains because the language are the same, especially like the language of linear algebra. I think it's very useful in order for me to grasp the, 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 the new concept as well. Um, so, so, so yeah. So when I came back to Indonesia, I started at a fintech company. Uh, and then by coincidence, I gave a talk at Gojek actually. And then I got approached by, um, the, the what, what now becomes the co-CEOs of, of Gojek itself and I got hired from a coffee <laughs> actually. Nice. and I'm, I'm actually very glad that um, he took a bet on me mm. um, until I basically yeah I managed to be at where I am now so uh, it was quite a like a series of coincidence actually <laughs> that's very interesting I've, I've got a I've got a question kind of like um, uh, I guess a question that will challenge me more uh, and I'd like to get your opinion on this so I the way I teach uh, data science in in the courses is very different to the way John teaches and and the way I guess that you apply data sciences. I I studied also mathematics, studied mathematics and physics in my bachelor, but it was a long, long time ago, and I I liked it a lot. But the way I applied data science when I was at Deloitte and in the industry required very little mathematics, and that's how I teach it as well. Like I teach it more of as a, a kind of like uh, plug and play type of uh, instrument that, all right, so machine learning, here's an algorithm, I don't know, naive Bayes clustering. This is intuitively how it works. This is what's in the background. Like this is um, what's going on. And this is how you apply it. And I avoid teaching the mathematics. And so, for instance, the, the analogy I give is driving a car. To drive a car, you need to know where to put the petrol, how to steer, where to press the gas, where to press the brakes. And you need a lot of practice. You know, that's how you pass your driving test. You never need to know, like, what a crankshaft is, how it's different to a camshaft, what's under the hood. <laughs> like, I don't even sometimes know how to put the oil in the car for, <laughs> for crying out loud. So, so my question to you is, like, is there a right or wrong? Or why, why do you find, like, if you think it's important for people to learn mathematics in order to be data scientists, then why? Hmm. Understand. Okay. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's all very, very uh, depends on the type of uh, domain that they will work on in the future and what they're interested in, I would say, because if we kind of like um, look at the spectrum of the applications of mathematics in data science, I think we can divide it in a couple of clusters, actually, right? And particularly for Gojek, why it is important for the people to understand the basics, because we dealt a lot with uh, what, I, what I call greenfield projects. So these are the type of projects which we can't just Google and like get the answer. We really need to exercise the first principles in order to understand what kind of mathematical apparatus that we basically need to deploy to solve the problem, right? So uh, like a business can jump, just come to us and say, hey, we, we have this amount of budget. I want you to be able to distribute it in an optimal way. So very, very fake and ambiguous, right? And so one really requires to ask more and ask the right questions. First of all, to understand the, the real problem. How do you define um 
uh, optimal? What are the different levers that we basically can use to distribute those things? And how can we basically use the right apparatus to model the problem itself? Um, so what I wanted to say basically uh, that that's also the reason why we emphasize uh, this a lot, the, the the concept. So even, even for example, if you take linear regressions during an interview, I think what we sometimes do, we try to tweak it a little bit, the, the problems. Uh, and what if we take this uh, L1 penalty? What if we take uh, L2 penalty? What if, for example, we shift the distributions of the target variable to become very highly imbalanced? Uh, you know, just to kind of like test the ability of the candidate to adopt to um, different reality that they might encounter while working uh, on the uh, on the problems within Gojek. Um, and the reason why we do it, because we think this is a relevant skill set to have, right? But I can imagine, for example, when we when uh, one will focus a lot on building the kind of like the data science uh, platform or engineering platform, um, might be less relevant to know the kind of like a two, three layers deeper. Um, like what you said, right? It's more like a plug and play, but I think the emphasis will be how to design the right architecture can, that can be very scalable, right? And how do we use the mathematical concept to uh, cut some of the computational resources that we basically go into that? Uh, and, and maybe in that case, it will be less um, um, obligatory to, to know the two, three layers uh, depth. So, so maybe I'm, I'm uh, apologize maybe because there is no like a straight answer, but I think it all depends. Right. And I think for the Gojek context, it's very important to understand those basics because then there are like the choice of apparatus to deal with the problem is just quite immense. We employ the econometric technique. We employ um, uh, also the operation research techniques, for example, in our problems. Um, if we uh, play around with logistics, sometimes also predictive models, supervised and unsupervised, and even uh, to some certain extent, also some uh, bandit type of algorithm. Um, so, uh, yeah. There's just quite a lot of possibilities over there, so it's really important to know the uh, at least two, three layers deep uh, from the mathematical perspective, right? Um, but I think, as um, uh, uh, from my personal opinion, I think um, it is also very important to uh, basically, uh, how do you call it, like, like, like a painter, right? Uh, sometimes we need to be able to really bring people to the to the, uh, how do you call it, to, to appreciate the paintings itself. And I think sometimes the best way to do it is that by not starting with um, like a sometimes differentiable calculus, but <laughs> really starting with the stories and then like, hey, why this is important? Why factor this is important? Because, hey, we can actually translate the abstraction of this problem by bringing it to the, the factor space, for example, then they are able to imagine um, uh, like the solutions of the problem, right? So I think... It depends, and uh, I think my personal preference is always to start very simple uh, and then try to peel the layers one by one, like bringing them to the bit more, um, how do you call it, like a depth, the required depth actually necessary. Um, so, so yeah, that's just uh, a little bit my philosophy in, in learning as well. Uh, so it seems to be aligned with your, uh, the way you present your teaching. <laughs> I, I, I love that answer, and I, I don't... Uh, I, you know, I don't think I have too much extra to add. I, th I think that is kind of to kind of summarize the value of understanding the the underlying mathematics is that um, I love the the car driving analogy, um, but the the beautiful thing about machine learning is it isn't necessarily actually that complicated. What's going on under the hood, and so. Um, I actually, I started uh, teaching exactly the same kind of way that you described teaching Kirill. 
Um, and it's only relatively recently um, that I was like, oh, you know, maybe it is worth getting into the partial derivative calculus, the linear algebra that's happening under here. And I was inspired to think that by um, colleagues of mine, people who work for me, I would see them doing matrix algebra um, or I would see them thinking about what's the right data structure for this particular type of data in this model because of how we're going to be scaling it so that we can minimize computational resources. So these under these, I was seeing people use these underlying understandings to make on, on the science side, huge um, intuitive breakthroughs that by only understanding the scikit-learn API, there's no way you could have had that breakthrough. And then on the engineering side, being able to uh, think about, okay, what is the time complexity or the memory complexity of what I'm doing here? Um, and then how can I maybe make adjustments there, trade-offs between computational complexity versus memory complexity so that I can use fewer resources or maybe have a faster um, experience, real-time experience for my users. Um, so yeah, it's a really recent thing for me that it seems so valuable, um, but the more and more I dig into it, the more and more I appreciate that, wow, there's 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 so many possibilities and there's still absolutely a time and a place for using the high level apis i mean you know maybe maybe more often than not um but to be making really cutting edge algorithms um or to even be like understanding and trying to deploy some of the the latest um things that you read that might only occur in papers or graduate level textbooks there might not be a high level api for you to to, to use yet. So if you wanted to make Cartobert, um, you know, you need to, you can't just be able to use BERT. You have to understand what's happening in BERT. Um, so. Yeah, uh, yeah, fascinating. Yeah, if I can add a couple of more sentences to that, right? I think I, I'm, I'm like personally thinking that I'm on personal missions to really like spark interest from people really, especially in Indonesia, right? To really found this discipline to be, to be fascinating. I really want um, like a people in Indonesia, like if they, if their the child, for example, are being asked, what do you want to do in the future? Instead of saying astronaut or, or doctor, for example, they say, hey, I want to be data scientist. And I, and I think what I wanted to kind of like, um, emphasize over there, I think there's just so many beautiful things which we can actually put in, in more intuitions in order to just make the first bridge for people to cross that bridge to find it interesting. And I found the communication via um, uh, com uh, yeah, wrapping up things in terms of intuitions, right? Like what Kirill just mentioned. I think it's very helpful to spark the interest and really to, for people to get interested and really to get motivated and they will gain energy in order to go even deeper to deeper level. But I think, uh, I, I'm, I'm still learning kind of like I try to kind of like, um, uh, also learn like how can I actually present all these different, uh, complex, um, concepts actually and make it very, Simple, intuitive, and exciting as well. I think uh, that's kind of my personal mission, uh, which I'm still learning, of course. But uh, yeah, I think it's just so beautiful in terms of discipline. And I think a lot more people actually can benefit from that, and especially the society. Thanks. Thanks, guys. I, I, I asked to get challenged, and I feel challenged. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, it's a good... <laughs> 
I think it's a good, good uh, perspective that uh, there's uh, room for both to get started, you know, go down the intuition path, but then always keep in mind that you can go deeper and uh, it will give you more like superpowers with the mathematics. Um, Shafri, you mentioned uh, that uh, Gojek is hiring, right? So where can people apply? And then I wanted to ask you a second question. What does it take to thrive as a data scientist at Gojek? Sure. Uh, thanks, thanks, thanks a lot for asking this question specifically. <laughs> it, helps us, it helps us a lot, right? And I think if we, um, I think if we can always find the, um, uh, the open uh, uh, positions actually within the um, uh, re recruitment. And I think if, if people just type like a Gojek recruitment, they'll pop up basically the, the, the website where they can see what, uh, what are the available positions at Gojek. Uh, and I think the second question is very, very interesting. I think the fact that the, the company itself is, um, how do you call it? Um, we're going to the next stage now. So it used to be that we are um, in this very high, um, high growth phase. So to say where things are a little bit ambiguous, I would say sometimes. So people who can navigate with an ambiguous environment will thrive within Gojek, right? Uh, people who can actually systematically approach problems in general. They will thrive. Um, and I think it also takes a lot of determinations and grit to push things as well. Um, as a data scientist, and, uh, and I think uh, this is also the type of data scientists who are, who actually do not just stick with, um, conventional approach of things, but, uh, people, uh, are required or data scientists are required also to be able to exercise first principle. Um, and I think those are the type of data scientists who can actually thrive within, within Gojek environment. So they need to be able to very, diverse enough to know what are the different apparatus available over there to solve problems and be very skillful enough to, and, and I think also, also be intellectually humble to really acknowledge that we don't know what we don't know because it's, sometimes it's just um, really like asking, uh, sometimes actually there are a lot of things that we can't, that actually um, hidden behind all of those numbers and digits that we see on our screen as a data scientist, right? So I think um, I uh, often also ask my data scientists just to go to the field, really talk with our drivers, really understanding their pain points. And then uh, that way, it actually allows them to understand and to basically rationalize what they've seen under their, um, how do you say, like on their PCs in terms of like all the figures and numbers, right? Um, and then from those intellectual curiosity, they are able to frame the problems correctly uh, and then frame it in uh, as data scientist problems. Um, and then for again, the next level will be to find the right apparatus. Um, and I think what the another quality that I think also will help a lot will be to be very practical. So if you look at the overall in the company, there's a lot of uh, problems that requires the like a simple solutions. Um, because there are a lot of like low hanging fruits within the company. So these are the type of problems that we, we need basically the first 80% we can achieve with a uh, standard solution, right? Uh, but there are also uh, rather mature problems where in order to go from 95% to 97%, then we will need the kind of fundamental research. And, and, and I think what I always told to my team is that um, we should not, we should be fine using hammer to um, kind of like hammer the problem, but we should not shy away from using scalp as well in really like formalizing the solution. So I think this type of mindset will uh, basically help people to try within the Gojek environment. Wow, fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that.
Yeah, I think something that uh, if people get a chance to check out the video version uh, of this podcast, you can see Shiafri is so happy this whole time talking about uh, modeling and maybe that even comes through in the sound of his voice, but there's so many points where he like throws his head back uh, with a big smile because, uh, you know, yeah, you're, you're just, it's like, you know, you're, you're so enlivened by these questions and these ideas. It's wonderful to see. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot, John and uh, Kirill. Yeah. Um, in one of the videos you mentioned, uh, in one of your interviews, that um, when you were working as a quant back in the, um, in Europe, I believe, uh, you realized that the impact you make cannot extend much further beyond the company you work for uh, and that you just want to do more. You want to do work, or your quote, in quotation marks, I just want to do more. I want to do work to benefit a lot of other people. Do you feel that you're doing that at Gojek now? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. And I'm actually, I feel lucky myself because I, when I wake up in the morning, I'm, I'm, I still feel uh, that this is my, that, that, that day is my first day, uh, to be mm -hmm. honest, because I'm really um, still very motivated to solve paper problems. And the thing about Indonesia, because there are just so many um, structural inefficiencies within the countries that I believe um, people like me and, and other I think there were also like an interview where I specifically called all the uh, expats over there, like Indonesian people who live abroad, to just come and then really contribute to the country because there are just so many structural issues that we need to fix, right? And I think um, exploitations of natural resources is one way to, um, again, extract values. But I think solving structural inefficiency is also like one way to create values to the system, actually. Um, and I'm, I feel actually blessed and privileged also to have the opportunities to really... Um, able to, to, to serve the community because, and these are the products that um, I can really relate on. Like my family will say, hey, um, I'm, I feel uh, I feel that this, this app actually has helped me to remove the daily frictions, right? Um, even for example, if there is something bad happening, I will get the immediate feedback. And even because I also sometimes take GORAD to, um, before pandemic, of course, I take GORAD to office, right? I talk to the drivers as well. And then he mentioned how his life actually has changed since he became uh, one of our partner, right? Uh, he was able to, for example, adopt a couple of children because of the fact that he um, uh, he worked uh, as as a, as, a, as a as a partner, like a, a driver partner within our platform. I think those are all the stories that really keeps me going through the day, um, and and I, I feel blessed to be honest to be able to um, have the opportunities to do that. Yeah, especially with my remote uh, discipline, what's considered to be very remote, right? Mathematics, computer science, and social impact. Yeah, that, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, thank you. That's, that's very inspiring to hear. That's uh, um, I wish for as many people listening as possible to, to feel the same way at work. It's, uh, it's a, a clearly a very fulfilling um, place to be in. That's awesome. Um, John, do you have any questions to finish off? No, uh, we've covered all of my questions and I love the ones that you asked as well, Kirill. I've learned so much today. Um, I can't help but notice that it seems like uh, Gojek's uh, mission is to impact at scale through technology. Uh, and so it sounds like you're really living that as a data scientist at the firm, Shiafri. And... Uh, 
Uh, yeah, I don't have any other questions. I just felt like saying that one more time, kind of reinforcing this idea of how with, you know, probably the vast majority of people listening to this podcast are data professionals or aspiring data professionals. And um, to hear a story like this today, it, 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 it made me feel inspired. And so I hope you feel inspired too to, uh, to be identifying places that you can be making a big positive socioeconomic impact with your skills. Even if you started with a pure math topology background, <laughs> you too can make a difference. <laughs> uh, oh, there's a nice bit you put over there, John. Yeah, and, and thanks a lot. And I think um, I really enjoyed the conversation. Actually, like both of you have done a fantastic job in like really controlling the flows and just really participating as well, like genuinely ask uh, questions, I think. And um, I think to a lot of like data professionals out there, and I think I still fundamentally believe in the, the futures of of our professions actually. I think we have we can do a lot a lot of things for the for the for the for the community, even for the world in general. I think we just have we just scratch the surface of what data actually can do and bring um to 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 the life of the of millions of fellow people out there. So yeah, I, I would really encourage people who are in their uh, learning journey to uh, keep going, find their energies and their motivations to keep going because it's a beautiful thing and it's worth to really put investment in really uh, enhance the uh, professionals and also like the knowledge on, in this field. So uh, thanks a lot. And I think both of you also have uh, inspired people with a with podcast and also like, uh, especially for the aspired uh, data scientists and data professionals out there. So uh, yeah, uh, thanks a lot for, for that, contributing back to the community. Yeah. Thank you, Shafri. It's, it's been a really uh, cool, cool uh, podcast. And for those of our listeners who want to or would like to connect with you or maybe just follow what uh, how your career progresses where are some of the best places to get in touch yeah i think uh best to get in touch via my linkedin actually i don't have a social media like instagram or, or twitter intentionally but uh <laughs> but uh yeah i think the best place to, to con connect uh, with me will be via my my uh, my linkedin actually yeah. thank you well, uh, and we'll actually share. i do plan also yeah sorry sorry you go ahead yeah, yeah so I think. No, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't realize your girl was speaking to. Shower, you go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. No, so I was, I was actually thinking also of sharing more materials and uh, sharing some of more uh, thoughts as well, actually. So I felt that I could have done it a, a, bit, a bit better um, because, um, especially for a lot of like aspiring data professionals in Indonesia. So I think those are the things that I uh, personally committed to 2021. So hopefully more content, right, that I can share to the community as well in the future. Yeah. Nice. John? Oh, I was just going to say that on the LinkedIn point that I don't think, Shiafri, you, you shouldn't feel ashamed that LinkedIn is your go-to social medium because I think Kirill and I feel exactly the same way. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah okay. absolutely. <laughs> It makes me feel better at least that I'm also <laughs> <in> a... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I like that's that's the kind of like the only one <laughs> I really use. I don't use I don't think I use any other one. Same. Um, yeah. Uh Shafri, one final question for you. What's a book that you would like to recommend to our listeners? Yeah, so uh in terms of books there there's actually a lot quite a lot that I have in mind, but maybe just to select use of them, uh, definitely like elements of statistical learning is a good uh, start right. I recently Ooh. also get myself more into causal learning, um, basically because it happens to be that we're in the face where we will need it a lot, actually. So, Judea uh, Pearl? A book, what? 
Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for the math fanatics, uh, there's also like uh, the title is What If. I forgot the, the author again, but uh, What If is also like a good mix of combinations of theory and practice as well. And Judy of Pearl is definitely, if you're into uh, math and stuff, I think you will you will find, um, you'll enjoy reading um, the Judy of Pearl's book on, on that. Um, and and I also What's like... Huh? What is it what called? Uh, the, the book. The, the, the book of... Oh, so Judy of Pearl. Uh, causality. Causality. Causality, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, an element of statistical learning is also a good book, as I mentioned earlier, right? Um, and there's also this 100-page machine learning book that I just like from one to time like to read as well as a refresher because it's a condensed everything within one book. Nice. Do you happen to recall again the name of the author, John? The 100... Uh... Uh, it's uh, Andre... Um, uh, ah, it's so embarrassing, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Andre Burkhoff, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, Andrew Burkhoff. Oh, John, you might have him on the podcast sometime. We've been talking with him. Well, he's been making quite a splash. I would love to have him on the podcast. He's from Canada, right? He he's is. I think he's in Montreal. Russian, Ru Russian uh, ex-Russian, uh, but in Canada. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Okay. Well, Shafri, thank you so much. John, thank you uh, a ton. It's been a huge pleasure having uh, this, being part of this podcast. It's been great. Same. Sure. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks, Kirill. Thank you, John. So there you have it, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this episode and enjoyed uh, the conversation we had with uh, Shafri and John. I definitely had some great laughs. Uh, my favorite part of this episode, there's lots of really cool insights that we shared. My favorite part was uh, the use case that Shafri shared around Carto Bert and how they modified burden and how they used it to analyze uh, all those interactions between customers and drivers to uh, figure out the best, uh, how to optimize their logistics uh, for pickups and, uh, and also the, how in result that uh, helped reduce the number of uh, calls and the number of uh, basically improve efficiency. Also, I, I really enjoyed hearing about what Shafri mentioned at the end about meaning and purpose that uh, he is uh, very excited um, to be helping people, to be contributing to improving people's lives in that example that he shared of a, a driver that was able to adopt children. I think that's very noble and uh, I wish for all data science to ultimately result in in uh, great things for communities and people across the world, that would be all. That would be very good. And uh, if we all look out for that and try and strive to uh, find jobs and make our jobs about impact, I think that uh, will help serve the world and also create more happiness around the world. So, as usual, you can find uh, the show notes at superdatasense.com slash 427. That's superdatasense.com slash 427. There you'll find any materials that were mentioned on the show, all, all of the books uh, that uh, Shafri mentioned and, and John mentioned as well, uh, plus the URL to Shafri's LinkedIn. We'll also include the URL to where you can apply for a job at Gojek uh, as a data scientist if you would like to explore that further. Make sure to connect with Shafri, make sure to connect with John, 
Uh, they're both open to connecting on LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, you'll hear more from John in the coming weeks. Uh, as mentioned in the beginning, uh, there'll be this transition. I'll talk more about that uh, in the coming episodes. And yeah, on that note, if you enjoyed uh, today's episode, make sure to share it with somebody. It's uh, very easy to share. I send them a link, superdayscience.com slash 427. And I look forward to seeing you back here next time. Until then, happy analyzing.